I play this, this guitarist. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Andrew. It's Talking Shop. It is Talking Shop and lots to talk about today. We're, um, we've just spent, we, we, we caught up, we started to chat at nine o'clock and it's nearly 10 o'clock now because we've been going through everything to do with the conference and um, how this relates to C19 slash coronavirus. And, you know, we're every day we're, we're logging on to the internet and we're seeing more and more conferences being cancelled and our friends you know, losing gigs, um, left, right and centre, myself included. And it's, it's definitely. Me too. Yeah. Yourself included, Andy. It's, um, it's, it's created a, uh, kind of a really interesting dilemma for all of us and how we're going to get around this. So, um, yeah. What are your thoughts? So here's what we are going to do for the conference. Um, our conference is scheduled for June uh, 16th and 17th. So it's still some time away. Um, and we're, we're slightly in that dilemma of if we cancelled it, for example, now, or, or we do something else, uh, only to find out at the end of April that actually it would be great anyway, and we'd be fine. Then we've cancelled the conference and then it's kind of very hard to get that back on its legs again. Yeah. So, um, what I think we should be doing is, um, we've already had a plan B. So for those of you who've listened before, you'll know that part of the idea of the conference was to have a smaller boutique conference. There's only ever going to be 120 people actually face-to-face and have a a larger streaming and online uh, participation experience. And a large part of that was to reduce the um, carbon footprint of of the conference. So our plan B will be to lean into the remote aspect of the conference um, either much more or completely. Originally, we were going to have live speakers and those were going to be live streamed and so on. Instead, what we will do is we'll either um, completely uh, pre-record the talks and then when we live stream them, we'll have the speakers on hand to answer questions, um, which is a kind of nice way of doing it because uh, you often don't get the chance to do that in, in real life. So it sort of makes use of the re- remote aspect of it. Um, or we will, depending on travel, so if, if kind of come April, um, no, so sort of May, June, Uh, It looks like it's possible to travel again. Another option is that we get a much, much smaller group of people together, like 10, 20 people as a kind of selected live audience, and then have the speakers present to them and we'll record and um, stream those as well. And then for the workshops, uh, we think it probably make much more sense for those to be completely sort of recalibrated. Again, they were always going to have a, a remote aspect to them, but instead what we'll do is um, the workshops will be completely remote um, and we'll work out the best way to include sort of the people in that. So the workshops will have a kind of different flavour, um, but they won't be face-to-face. That's my suggestion. Yeah, it's it, it looks like the best way to go. And I know there's a couple of other conferences that are are starting to you know include that in their offering, but it's important to, to note that we have, there was always been in our roadmap to do something like this, but it's just going to be a case of adding more weight to our... Um, kind of our offering and our, and our focus for the next couple of months to extend it out because there's been a lot of people like, who wanted to come to the conference but when they listen to the show they they hear us saying look we don't want you to fly if you're outside of the two and a half hour yeah, slash right, three yeah. hour flight radius so in that way you know it extends it out to other um other parts of the network like i know australia and america they're still the two biggest listenerships that we have um so 
there's a, there's a chance now that we can do that. But what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to include a link in the show notes. Now, in typical design research fashion, like we need you to really click on that link and tell us a few little bits and pieces because we're trying to figure out the price point, what you'd expect for that experience. So we're we're trying to do some some research to really help us refine our offering um, as quickly as possible. So it's not a case of like, oh, I'll do that later on. It's only going to take you a minute maybe two minutes just just give us an indication of what it is you're looking for and yeah we're going to try and make this happen but we don't want to just make it happen at its at its bare bones we want to create a great experience and we want to um really make sure that we we meet the needs so um it's it's been stressful but i think we can get through this um and i think we can come out the other end of it um hopefully with a lot more learnings yeah i hope so too um you know and, and let's hope we could actually maybe kind of meet face to face anyway uh, at some point i think part of the um idea of the conference being small is actually kind of to our advantage anyway um and you know we're trying to set a new paradigm for conferences where you know it's not a big kind of three or ten thousand people uh event yeah um which is so anonymous what we wanted is for people to be actually be able to interact with the speakers and talk to them and, and all of that yeah. stuff but obviously not to make them ill so uh, we need to make sure that everyone is, is feeling um <laughs> safe yeah and finally of course anyone has already bought tickets we'll, we'll take care of you one way or the other yeah. whether that's uh, through refunds or partial refund um based on the difference between that yeah and, and if we do go completely online it's, a, it's, it's heartbreaking in some ways because like if, if i don't i wanted to meet loads of the listeners and connect with people um so there's there's maybe something when all this dies down we can look at doing something again um in the real world. No, do you know what I mean, Andy? I think that's it, it's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, it is a huge part of it. Yeah, it's yeah. it is something that um I'd definitely love to do. So we we, we we've got another announcement to make. We've we've got a um a new podcast and a new podcast host. So um I'm throwing out the the sword and I'm tipping the shoulder. Melanie Raymond has um Ooh. has agreed to to join as a host. And I am beyond thrilled because Melanie is is just a wonderful person. And since we moved back to my old home in Sydney, we we exchanged. Uh, you know, she's moved back into your old home. I'm not literally back into my own home. She's oh, not right. like okay. sleeping was, in my own bedroom with her family. Spooky. But she's moved back to Sydney and um, has you know assumed a wonderful role at the Australian Social Innovation Centre in Mullumaloo and. I thought it was a really great opportunity to to include Melanie to really reflect the the changes and the work that they do down there in in the social space in Australia because I know firsthand how incredible that space is. Um, and her podcast is going to be called Moments of Change, um, nice. which is a great title for it. And I'm super excited. I'm literally looking at you know all the bits and pieces that Mel is working on at the moment. Um, and it's 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 just it's it's great to have um Melanie on board, so um it's gonna be um it's gonna be exciting. So I think it'll be a couple of weeks away before Mel gets to do her first interview, and um it'll be exciting. But you hear all about it. Don't worry on all the social channels and all the newsletters, and of course, talking shop. Brilliant! That's great news. Welcome, Mel. Welcome, Mel. And Mel obviously was she was also on the board for the conference. And it kind of kickstarted conversations around what they were doing and, you know, what she's, you know, planning for the next 12 to 18 months. So, um, yeah, again, I'm so excited about having Mel as part of the team. Yes. Andy, 
it's it's that time of the show where you start talking about is it, is it time for Andy's book corner we still don't have a jingle for this I, 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 I feel like I want to find a jingle for this yeah I'll do okay, a jingle wait. for you I'll do a jingle for you hang on a sec hang on hang on gotta put it down okay well, you're gonna do me a jingle are you Andy's book corner It's Andy's Book Corner. It's Andy's Book Corner. It's time for Andy's Book Corner. Andy's Book Corner. Andy's Book Corner. It's time for Andy's Book Corner. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like you really thought about the lyrics on that one. Um, okay. Yes, it's quite a big book corner this uh, this time around because uh, we didn't do it last time. So what have I been uh, reading? Uh, uh, British, so Brit in brackets-ish, uh, on race, identity and belonging by Ephra Hirsch. Um, who's a UK-based writer. And uh, she's talking about, uh, she grew up in Wimbledon. Her her father was um, Jewish and her second-generation Jewish, I think, hence the surname, and her mother was Ghanaian. Um, and talking about what it's like to be sort of from nowhere or considered from nowhere by everyone else. So she was you know, born in Wimbledon, grew up in Wimbledon, but then in London and then said, but people are always saying, but where are you from? And then when she goes to uh, Ghana, People say, well, you're not Ghanaian. So it's all about kind of identity and race. And uh, it's very interesting. Um, Then I am reading, I was put on this by uh, Chris Hayward, who's an ex-colleague of mine, a friend of mine who's based in Brisbane, uh, who's a a proper anthropologist and um, design researcher. And it's called From Notes to Narrative, Writing Ethnographies That Everyone Can Read by Kristen Godsey. And uh, I'm st- I'm still just sort of starting reading it, but it's um it's kind of really about good writing, but most of all, all it's about kind of writing up people's stories. Um, and so for design researchers, really good for you know how do you how do you write up um, what you've seen and heard uh, in a way that's that's compelling for the people you're trying oh. to convince by the stories that you've gathered. I'd be interested in that. That sounds like a good book. It is, yeah. Uh, and then another one is um, sort of simultaneously uh, really well written and depressing at the same time. It's called Antisocial Online Extremists, Techno Utopians, and the Hijacking of the American Conversation mm. by uh, Andrew Morantz. And he he goes kind of deep into the whole kind of alt right uh, movement and kind of hangs out with them as a journalist. Um, and it's sort of that sort of gonzo journalism where he's he's kind of talking, he's kind of hanging around with him, but with a notebook and kind of talking about his experience and stuff. Uh, it's very well written um, and slightly depressing. Yeah. Um, and then I have been reading Unlearn, oh, uh, yeah. Let Go of Past Successes to Achieve Extraordinary Results by Barry O'Reilly, yeah. uh, who I know. And um, I, I feel a little bit uh, allergic by the subtitle because it felt a bit sort of sounds very self-helpy. You know, and I guess in a sense it is um, in terms of, um, you know, learning to unlearn, but it's also around how organizations can do this and, and the importance of unlearning mm-hmm. and making a sort of conscious effort. And he has a kind of st- structure and a framework for this of how you uh, you unlearn the things you, you, you know. And there's a really good example where he's talking to an executive who's doing a, you know, in a, some kind of innovation you know, sprint or, mm-hmm. or a kind of innovation workshop or, or kind of a few days. And the executive is kind of hit on this idea. The first idea um, is for booking airline tickets. And um, he's like absolutely convinced this is brilliant. It's going to change things. But when they're going to do the testing of it with customers, uh, people are just like, no, I hate that. And the, at the beginning, he's like, oh, no, these people just don't understand it. Go and get me some more customers. Oof. And they do it again and again. And after about three times, Barry kind of sits down and goes, what do you think's wrong with this? And he goes, yeah, it's the idea. 
not the customers. And so there's this kind of beginning of this process of unlearning. Yeah. Um, so it's really good. There's lots and lots of good uh, good stories in it. Yeah, nice. I posted a thing on LinkedIn about Barry writing it, actually, because yeah, he, he, he talked about his kind of his process of writing it. Is Barry Australian? Uh, no, no, I think he's American. He's American. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a great book. Um, and then um, Talking to Strangers, so similar, I guess, to the, the notes, the narrative. Uh, what we should know about the people we don't know by Malcolm Gladwell. So you either really like Malcolm Gladwell or you hate him, yeah, I think. Um, and he does what he always does, which is to take research, you know, to stand on the shoulders of other people who've done uh, research in the humanities. Um, and it's really about how we continually uh, misinterpret and misunderstand people we don't know mm. um and what in, in particular what that means for for policing and policing in america yeah um but he talks about it in lots of different things and he does the sort of classic gladwell thing where he he tells you a story and then he gives you the tools to deconstruct that story and what's going on yeah and then he tells you another story to allow you to kind of do it and then you, you know keeps kind of adding to it so i i really loved it i thought it was very good um, Several people yeah. have mentioned to me, you know, and I'm probably as uh, as guilty of this as, as anyone else. They feel an immense sen- sense of guilt for not being able to read as much. And it's it's an interesting topic because, you know, I've got two young kids. I've got lots of different initiatives going on at the same time. And I struggle to find that time to sit down with a book and, you know, just, just read and just enjoy enjoy reading, learning. And if I do have that time... You know, like I'm usually a fan of the disconnection of just kind of like getting getting rid of anything and just getting a TV or something something that's quick <laughs> yeah. in front of my eyes to to remove me from the reality. What advice do you give Andy to people who want to get into to reading more? So I read a lot in in parallel, um, and I, as you can see, so as a some of those books I'm still reading. Um, I, there's a few different reasons for doing it. I leave them lying around in different places. Um, mm. So I just kind of pick them up and, and read them. But also depending on the time of day and stuff. So I have some stuff on like a Kindle. You have a house of toilets, and, do you? And, re- and read it. Now. Yeah, I do actually. Uh, toilets are uh, the moment of peace and quiet. In fact, there was a, a study that I saw the other day and um, the average man spends seven hours a year sitting on the toilet. And the, the, um, the, re- the reason they give it is for some peace and quiet. I know one person who would love that statistic, and it's Michael Steingrass in More Than Metrics. <laughs> Give a big what? shout out. There's, there's <laughs> a statistic to Are you going to kind of like explain Tag why him. he would really like that? <laughs> just going to let everyone imagine why why Michael's going to like the idea of sitting on the toilet for a well, second. Okay, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to allude to one, one of the funniest moments of 2019 was at the SDN conference in Toronto and. We were all out for dinner. There was Mark, Stick Dorn, Marcus, there's Amy in New Zealand, Catherine, who's in Leeds, and Steiny, who works at more than metrics, and myself. And it was all in relatively the menus were being handed out, and we were sitting back, and you know, we'd ordered some drinks, and everyone was just like you know, contemplating what to order and stuff. And then Steiny with his glasses and on the bridge of his nose kind of goes, I read a very interesting piece of research the other day and I was like, okay, here we go. An academia kind of conversation is about to kick off. And he was like, there's a high statistic that proves um, uh, that lots of Canadians um, sit reverse on the toilet. And 
Maybe I can. Uh, if there are any Canadian listeners, can you confirm this? Yeah, it, was, it was one of these moments where everyone's jaw just kind of started to slowly drop down. And Steiny was like going on about, um, you know, oh yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, I think it's something like 20% of Canadians um, go to the, the number twos facing the cistern as opposed to facing uh, the other way around. And um, what's the rationale? We don't know, but like, you know, needless to say, the next time we caught up the next day for, for breakfast at the STN conference, several of the team had had agreed to to try out the, uh, you know, the ergonomics of being able to do this. <laughs> See, the advantage is you can prop a book that up That was one of them. This was one of the ones. Steiny said, well, there's a whole kind of, there's a there's a whole story behind being able to put the book up and the background and, you know, have something to hug. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Anyway. The things you learn on Talking Shop. Well, there you go. Um, so, the, so the other thing about reading is, I mean, watch less TV and, and less social media. I mean, that's, that's one thing, obviously. It's not like you don't have the time. It's just kind of what you do with the time. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of... Um, uh, I, I read a lot in the car actually one of my big places to not whilst I'm, not whilst I'm driving obviously what I Don't do is the autobahn at 180 uh, like you know it wasn't, wasn't going to the toilet at the same yeah. time um, no what I do is quite often you know I drop my daughter off uh, to school or, or when I've just come back I do a lot of sitting in the uh, car in the car park or parked cars uh, reading because it's just really okay. quiet so here's a, here's a podcasting tip for people actually which is if you're ever really stuck for a quiet place to podcast and you've got a kind of portable recorder go and sit in your car because audio engineers have spent uh, yeah. a lot of time making cars quiet so when you're driving along they're yeah. not really loud from the wind noise so actually they're always they're really quiet spaces yeah and uh it's the same as, you know, there's an awful lot of meaningful couple conversations that have Absolutely. happened in, in the front seats. When I moved back, and today's actually the anniversary of moving back from Australia to, to Ireland. It's two years ago today. Mm. And um, what people don't realise was we lived in a really small house, myself, my wife and my daughter, who was like one and a half at the time. And I'd booked all these podcasts like before I left Australia. Like I'd, I'd locked them in a couple of months out. So my neighbours used to see me on a Sunday morning or something like, you know, or late at night, driving the car up right up to the, the door. And it wasn't like there was a driveway in this. It was a tiny house. So I, I was up in the curb <laughs> to get the internet connection <laughs> to turn my window down to, to record. So there's loads of episodes on This Is 8 CD were recorded from inside the car. <laughs> that doesn't sound uh, creepy at all. No. And what about the binoculars? Were they part of the... The podcast? No, but I used to have the blinds down, you know, in the car. <laughs> just to make just, it even more weird. <laughs> just to create the create the effect. But um, so, yeah, I guess like it's one of the things like, you know, starting to read. I'm, uh, I just got Blue Downs, Good Services um, the other day. So um starts to read that. Again, you know, taking your advice, I've placed books around the house and, uh, you know, I get five minutes every now and then. It'll probably take me a year to read all of them, but I'll get there and I'm, I'm constantly learning bite-sized pieces of, of reading is, is how, I'm, how I'm getting through it and how I'm trying to improve my habits of, of reading more. Um, I quite often read um, watching TV. So, you know, when you have that thing about, you know, arguing about what you want to watch and you end up losing the argument. Yeah. Uh, and watching something you're not really that interested in, I, I often read at the same time. Yeah, I hate that. So my last book is actually a recent guest. So um, I just read Beyond the Prototype by Douglas Ferguson, who's uh, going to be on uh, Power of Ten. Might might have come out just before this does, actually. 
Um, he looked like a great guest. He was a great guest. And um, beyond the prototype, he, he worked um, uh, with directly with the Google Sprint team when he was at Twyla. That's right. And so he had kind of, you know, really the, from the horse's mouth, he had uh, the training in, in Google Sprints, design sprints. And, um, and, you know, obviously now he does that with, with clients. And one of the things that he noticed was there's a, you know, clients do sprints. Sometimes they set them up wrong and so forth too. But after they've done the sprint, there's like this slump afterwards where people don't really know what to do with it and they don't know how to progress. And so yeah. um, the book is all about that. It's called Beyond the Prototype for that reason. And he has these kind of six steps. Um, and he's, he's, he's going to do an iteration of the book actually because there's, there's another step, which is actually about how to set it up in the first place successfully. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was really interesting. We talked also yeah. a lot about his, um, his life in, in music and, and uh, sound recording too. Which is actually, I'm, I'm going to be speaking at Doer's conference in, in Hungary. Uh, hat tip to Andy for that uh, referral. Um, and I'm doing it on the interrelationship and the interconnectedness of, of uh, music creation and service design. Oh, nice. So um, there's lots of crossover there and lots of learnings from my, believe it or not, I know I didn't do myself any favours by playing the, the jingle, but I used to play music and um, that, was, <laughs> that was my thing. So uh, I'm looking forward to you get my hands on Douglas's book as well. Sounds like a sounds like a good one. And we can uh, people can find you on Spotify, right? <laughs> no, 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 Andy, <laughs> don't be doing this. There's a, there's a few other people in the network who have managed to find my music and doesn't make me smile anymore as much as it did when I was recording. Oh come on, I I, I thought it was quite nice. Andy was, tweets um... me and messages me late at night, kind of going uh, with it with a lyric, and it's actually pretty creepy. Like when you're falling asleep and you see one of your friends kind of quoting your lyrics from about twelve or fifteen mm. years ago. But it's I... even more creepy when I, I'm standing over your bed doing. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Most of the time, we just sat in the car outside. You're such a creep. Um, I had a couple of really, really good interviews in the last couple of weeks that I'm ex- excited to to have coming out. I interviewed a, um, a great guy yesterday called Chris Gray, who is a content moderator for a company called CPL, which handle large portions of the Facebook um, moderation process. And we spoke around the impacts that it's had on his health. Currently going through a, a lawsuit with Facebook. And we discussed a little bit around that, what um what this looks like, and actually the whole kind of world of content moderation. What does that mean? Wow, um, a, a really interesting conversation. Um, a Tr- trigger warning for that episode too, I reckon. Right? Yeah, we didn't go into the nit- the, the nitty gritty of the content types. It was more around how content moderation has become a thing and how it's scaled. You know, right. from from twenty eleven, where there was I think there was ten moderators on Facebook. And how that scaled now to thirty five thousand people. What back then? There's only ten. Yeah. So, and we we speak all around though. You know, the cognitive load of, you know, these people have to have a ninety percent, ninety eight percent success rate in terms of uh, successfully making that decision. And there's now over reportedly two hundred and fifty criteria to to pocket those things into. And the impact wow, that it can tough. have on you as as an individual, if that was the stress that you're being put under, your, you, you can only make one mistake a week. On you, top of viewing the content, right? Yeah, on top of the whole kind of like, you're not you're not viewing like you know pretty pictures of, of flowers. Like there's, you know, it was re- it was really interesting. I don't want to spoil uh, the, the content too much, but um, you know, I read about Chris in the paper, and I reached out to him, and it was really really interesting to speak with him. I had a brilliant conversation with uh, with Christine. 
Christine Hemphill, um, who's based in London and Open Inclusion is the name of her um, mm. organization. And we spoke around, you know, a more of an inclusive design process, especially in relation to human centered design. And um, that was a really good one. So I think that would be out in a couple of weeks. And I know there's lots of other great conversations that have been had, like John Curran has been hyper busy at the moment. Um, Adrian Tan has done a couple of more and, you know, obviously Mel is going on. But the other thing I want to chat about um, before we, we start wrapping this one up is the chapters. So the chapters, which I mentioned in December's episode of doing, you know, com- community efforts around the world. We've obviously announced, you, you might have seen Buenos Aires, Berlin, Dublin, Sydney, Melbourne, um, and we're we're really really close to to getting something over in Eastern Europe as well, which which is really really exciting. Um, but there are a number of events that have been penned to to go ahead in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, this is all um, you know dependent on the kind of the C nineteen the, the coronavirus in your area. So yeah. um, keep an eye on our Twitter feed, and if you're in the Slack channel, you know reach out uh, and you, you'll see it there like you know as well so th- there are lots of lots of events planned to happen cool the other big news is the premium feed man this is this has been an absolute mammoth to get our heads around okay so from a from a design perspective you know it's been something that i've seen a, a potential for but we are very close to having our first uh, offering for premium uh, listeners. So, Andy, I know you've been phenomenal in your help in getting this to the point of where it's currently at. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I, for pe- people probably don't really know, but there's, there's quite a lot of costs associated with um, having a kind of podcast network. Um, for me? You know, everyone, yeah, for, for Jerry. So for everyone obviously puts in their, their time for free, Yeah, you know, all the hosts do. But um, there's there's hosting costs, there's transcription costs, there's editing costs and, and the whole thing. So um, Jerry's ending up with a kind of big... Uh, minus in his uh, in his account well, at the moment, and so the idea of the is really to keep it going, you know, in absolutely. order to be able to kind of expand it. Um, Just to touch on that, like I, I'm happy to to you know, obviously I'm thrilled. I've built this thing, and it it was never my intent to form a business of this is Hate City. It wasn't like oh, uh, you know, at the time where I created this is Hate City, I had my own business in Australia, and it was going to sit like complementary to it. And it's the same over here, but at the point where I'm at in, in Ireland, hmm. this is Hate City has picked up enough traction. The conference was really placed there to to help kind of build a war chest to support the This Is Hate City initiative. You know, just so if I was ever hit by a bus or any of that kind of stuff, that this could sustain and this this thing has got a business model around it. Um and the premium feed is something that you know we we're just gonna have to look at in terms of what that means. Because there's people out there that want better and more. Um, regular and, and longer content but to, just to touch on the cost like the cost of running a network like one podcast is one thing but when you've got like i'm aiming to have about 12 to 15 by the end of the year and they're not just like trying to get quantity it's trying to get really big quality because we've built a really phenomenal mm. momentum but i've spent probably close to twenty thousand euro um on this on this over the last three years so it's it's something that um not that I'm looking to recoup, but it would be nice to recoup some of it and have a business model behind it. But the, the premium stuff would be um, an acknowledgement and the huge amount of effort that goes in from all the hosts 
and uh, myself included just to be able to support and maintain this uh, in the long term yeah so the plan is to um offer uh, try and make it as easy as possible uh and uh, to offer a uh, a monthly a subscription or a yearly one and you know we'd love it if people chose the yearly one and with that one of the things we can do is um have extra content obviously so sometimes we record for an hour with someone and it's really great but we 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 need to cut it back um so you can have kind of extended content uh, some of the other things would be um special educational episodes um so you know one of us might do a, a piece about um a particular area or a method or something um and sometimes we'll do some things uh of talks we've given at conferences and stuff like that and do those over the as a podcast and then the other things are and ask me anything um so there's a mechanism there where you can uh you can fire off questions and then we do a special podcast for for members to uh, to answer those so i think we're not that far away it's it's probably in the next month two months before we'll we'll have that up and ready with content so Stay tuned. Yeah, and it might be, be approved to be a, a useful vehicle for the uh, the conference if it does go completely online. Yeah, absolutely. Andy, is this it? I think it's it, Jerry. I think. Uh, how I think how do we it. say goodbye? I have one idea in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second. I just have to hit mute. It's. <laughs>